Over my dead body. Over my dead body. Over my dead body. Welcome to Over My Dead Body, my podcast about a new dad. I'm your host, Alex Lidington Cox. This week's going okay. Um, our daughter Hazel, I don't know if I've mentioned that her name is Hazel, but anyway, her name's Hazel. She's been a little bit kind of disrupted for like the last week, like she's become less predictable. Um, she's not going down for naps as regularly, um, and her behaviour's been like a little bit more of a roller coaster. but she's just started to come sort of back to normal over the last couple of days. We think it might be because she's teething, but who bloody knows. Anyway, she's been very pleasant to deal with, to deal with, uh, like it's a job or something. Just a couple of things I wanted to say on the back of last week's podcast. One is that there are definitely businesses where it's just not going to be appropriate for a man to ask for father's leave. And if it's like, you know, if it's like a two person business, that is not going to have the balance sheet to support that. But I think what asking does is spark a conversation about, well, what would that business need in order to facilitate some father's leave? It would probably need the government to step in and extend parental leave and quarantine some of it for dad's quarantine. That's not the right word, but you know what I mean. So that's what I meant. I totally understand that a lot of businesses are not going to be able to offer it, but I think it's very much worth asking. So you can figure out what would need to happen for dads to be able to spend more time with their kids and allow their partner to get back to work if that's what they want to do. And just on that, I think it's also worth saying that this push to get dads into the home is very recent. Like when I started working, the messaging that was going around about parental leave was directed exclusively at women. And the message was that mothers should go back to work if and when they choose to. Now I've got a couple of friends of mine that are a bit older and the message that they got from that was that they need to be prepared for the possibility that they will need to double their after-tax income if their partner chooses not to go back to work. So that messaging, and that, that was happening at the start of, that was happening like less than 10 years ago. That messaging forced a lot of men to lean into their careers and be still a traditional provider of money. Whereas now the definition of a provider has shifted very quickly from providing money to being able to provide an equal share of the money at home and time and time is not something that men are used to asking for at work we've had to do a 180 pretty quickly in terms of what's coming up we're going to be going to japan for christmas we're one of those couples that has traveled quite a lot and we're we're essentially using this as a test to see what it is that we can get away with when we're traveling with an infant. We've heard over and again that if you're traveling with a, you know, a kid that's less than one, it's pretty easy because you just shove them under the arm and you go. You know, assuming that they're a pretty relaxed kid, which Hazel is. Um, so yeah, we're going to give that a shot. I will, uh, yeah, let you know how it goes. It could be a disaster. I could come back going like, don't ever fucking do that, um, which would be pretty funny. <laughs> Uh, but it, full disclosure, um, Rachel's family are coming with us, so we will have a bit of a support team. So it's not, it's not, we've still got the training wheels on, I'll put it that way. In terms of tips, there seems to be, if the kid's below eight months old, you tend to be pretty well positioned to get a bassinet uh, for long-haul flights. 
you know, those bloody bassinets up the front of the plane that you dread sitting next to when you don't have kids and when you do have kids, they're like the holy grail. Um, so we desperately want one of those. But, uh, you know, Qantas will move you around based on whatever it is that they want to do. Um, you know, they'll, they'll reserve the right to move passengers for whatever reason under any circumstances and all the power to them. We do have a friend that's traveling to uh, Europe uh, in the next month and they said that Emirates would give them a bassinet, that you could actually reserve one. Uh, so that is just something to look out for. Request one and depending on what airline you're going with, ask them whether or not you can actually reserve it because those things are very, very precious. So this week, I wanted to talk about communication, which seems to be the biggest cliche that's thrown at couples when they're about to have kids. Like you present any scenario to any sort of instructor or therapist or like fucking couples counselor or whatever in advance and they'll just be like, They'll say the key is communication. You've just got to, you know, just that's it. That's just communication. And I'm just like, what the fuck does that actually mean? Like, yes, if you are having problems or if you are facing challenges after having a kid, you're supposed to communicate with each other. But like, what does that, what does that mean in practical terms? It's just this word that's just thrown out and there's nothing really behind it. It should be remembered that the period of time that they're talking about you are under severe sleep deprivation. Now, I've got a brother-in-law who's in the army, and one of the tests that they do is that they get them to do a series of uh, team-building tasks while under severe sleep deprivation. You would have heard about versions of this. There's a bunch of armies around the world that do it because there are going to be times where, like, if you're in a battle, you're going to have to do shit together, and you're not going to have slept in three days, and you need to be able to, I don't know, build a bridge or, like, blow one up. I don't know. I was doing a bit of Googling around on this and there's an article in Nature, which I'll put the link up to with this podcast, that says that it's instructional communication that breaks down under sleep deprivation. And I think we can all, we we all kind of know instinctively that that's true. Like when you're really sleep deprived and someone is talking you through how to do something, it never goes in. Like there was a night where, um, I think, I can't remember what was wrong with Hazel, but she, we needed to be giving her... Panadol, and you can't give them more than a certain amount over a 24-hour period. And Rachel left a note out for me about the history of her doses. And at 2.30 a.m., I woke up to feed her, and I see 1.30 a.m. written on the dosage history. So I think, oh, well, she's an hour over. Why not? Um, But what I thought it meant was these are the times at which we're supposed to give her dosages, not these are the times she has already had her dosages. So she had had one at 1.30am and then I gave her another one at 2.30am. And of course, once I stitched that all together, I immediately started Googling like, you know, how much Panadol can you give a baby before they fucking die? Because paracetamol overdoses are actually a pretty common thing. Um, Very underreported. So I started Googling around about, you know, what dosages a baby can have and started looking back at the notes that Rachel had left me and I calculated, yeah, Hazel's going to be fine, but like once that seed is planted in your head, you're not going back to sleep. Um, so yeah, like I didn't go back to sleep for the rest of the night. I can confirm she did in fact survive. But yeah, instructional communication breaks down. I think like your patience also breaks down as well. So even though from that nature uh, magazine, like when people express themselves... Um, about how they're feeling 
um, that communication doesn't break down, but your empathy sure as shit does. So you'll be super tired and you'll just be like, look, I feel this way about it. And your partner will just be like, yeah, okay, I think I can get my head around that, but I just don't give a shit right now because I've slept nine hours in the last three nights. So yeah, communication, but you're going to have these situations where like you communicate something, but no message is really received until like a couple of days later and then you can kind of hash it out. And we've done that a bunch of times. There was, um, actually before I go on to that, there was another story. We were, because Rachel had an emergency C-section, there was no, there was no time to do, I cannot remember what it's called, but they're supposed to swab her vagina and then put that swab on the baby's mouth because that simulates what happens to a baby's esophageal whatever it is um because that simulates what happens to a baby's mouth when they are given a vaginal birth which is their mouth is shoved up against the vaginal wall and they get all this bacteria you might have heard about it sets up gut biome or some shit like that in an emergency c-section you don't have time to do the swabbing which you can do in an elective um c-section so we didn't have the time um, because my dad's a nutritionist, he was getting on our back about this, like we need to replenish her gut, something or other. So I, uh, we had, you know, Rachel and I had a chat and we were just like, yep, I will put this in her formula on the overnight feeds. Um, and then I stopped because I just forgot because I was tired and I just stopped doing it. And she asked me like two weeks later, she just like, so you've been, um, putting that lactobacillus stuff in a in her formula, I'm like, no, no, I haven't. And she's like, why not? I'm like, I just stopped doing it and I forgot and that's the end of the story. Good communication though. Um, in the beginning, because like most of the feeding I was not doing, in the beginning, uh, Rachel was not expressing and we weren't using formula. So she was exclusively breastfeeding. And when you're a father, the fulcrum of your whole life really is how well can I contribute to getting the baby to sleep? So my job was to bath her. And in the beginning, she was super chill with her baths. Like she absolutely loved them. She got into this zen-like state. Uh, and then like three weeks maybe uh, in, uh, she suddenly started crying like really, really hard and only getting her on the boob afterwards. Uh, would calm her down, but she was having this sort of disrupted introduction to, she was having this disrupted first sleep at night. And I was like putting so much pressure on myself to get this bath right. And when it wasn't going well, I would get super stressed. I remember Rachel said a couple of times, you know, babies cry, it's fine. And then she, like on the third time when we had like just a quiet moment to ourselves, she just said like, babies cry, it's okay. We are still getting her down, it's fine. And I think, like, I don't know about the rest of you guys, but, like, sometimes I need permission from my partner to feel a certain way. I don't know if it's just a hang-up that I have or if it's quite common, but, yeah, I needed Rachel's permission to not be successful with doing that bath. And once I got that, I was immediately, like, I just immediately relaxed and really haven't had too many problems with stress relating to Hazel since then. So that's an example of how communication actually works. It takes like two or three times for the message to sink in and then it finally sinks in. 
when you've got the bandwidth to really listen to each other because communication is a skill. Uh, some people are better at it than others. I think I'm more in touch with my feelings than most dudes, but it's a skill. And when you've just had a kid, you are in a situation where communication is going to be stretched. You're in a situation where you're super stressed, where you don't have a lot of time to really nut out exactly how you feel about everything. So it takes practice in order to express what you want to express when you want it and for that person to receive the message. I know that um, my sister did the, uh, my sister and my brother-in-law did the Baby Makes 3 class. I know that's particularly popular um, and I think that talks through communication techniques. The program that we did is called Family Foundations and I remember they, it's a, it's a pilot program that was pitched to Rachel's mother's group and she just said like, oh, I've signed us up for this program looks really interesting, looks like a little bit more in-depth than Baby Max 3. So I was just like, all right, great. Like, I'm just at work. Like, it's just a blur between work and home. So I'm just like, ah, whatever. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm in. So they, they rock up to our house, and it's two of them, two counsellors. And the opening, the first thing that they said was, um, yeah, we're from Family Foundations. We're a pilot program that got its funding grant from the Victorian Royal Commission into Family Violence. And that was like, you know, that sound of the record player, like, skipping. And I was like suddenly felt like everyone in the room was looking at me and I'm like, oh my God, this is a don't hit her course. Like, what the fuck did I, am I an at risk? Like what? Oh, ah. suddenly I got really defensive. Anyway, it turns out that it is not uh, designed for at risk couples. It's a proactive program. Thank God. So that families have the skills to deal with anything so that they never find themselves in the situation where family violence is an issue. That to me felt like a dodge. I think we would have I think we would have been fine. I think I don't I don't think I would have hit Rachel um, had these two not knocked on our door. Um, but they did put me at ease that that's not what they were getting at. I think that Rachel's got as much of a chance of hitting me. <laughs> anyway. Got a long story short, it's like an eight to 10 week program. I can't remember how much. And the two big issues is they remind you to breathe when you're under significant stress. So we do breathing exercises and breathing really does work. Like if you just take some big, deep breaths when you're under serious stress, it really does just slow things down. And that's cool. That's very, very helpful. And the other component is communication techniques. One example would be uh, where one partner gets to speak for one minute and the other person does not interrupt, not even with, yes, I agree, or that's well done. Like, you literally have to stay silent. And I found that really helpful because, like, I'm one of those active listeners. You know, there's a bunch of, um, you know, chavs in the UK will do this a lot. They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll do a lot of, like, active agreeing with people as they're talking. And sometimes, like, when Rachel's talking about something and she pauses on something, I will try to guess the word that she's trying to think of. And I've stopped doing that. And that I find has made an enormous difference to when, to those situations where I really need to be listening to what she has to say and the way she wants to say it. Um, so I found that very, very useful. Um, it sounds to me a little bit like, you know, the conch in Lord of the Front or the conch, um, in Lord of the Flies. Uh, basically, if you've got the conch, you get to talk for a minute uninterrupted. Two issues have come up with the conch. Uh, one 
has been the pressure that I feel from Rachel to come home. And this was more of a this was more of an issue in the first few weeks of work. Um, and I might do another podcast on this, but like when you're when you're a guy and your partner's just given birth and you're working and then you're coming home to try to help out as much as possible, you feel like you're failing at both tasks. You feel like you're not really present at work and you're not firing at 100%. And then you come home and you feel like you're fucking that up too. It can be pretty isolating. I think that I did okay managing my own expectations about, about that. Trying to participate in overnight feeds is a good way to be able to help yourself feel better about that. We'll talk about that at another time. But yeah, yeah, that can be really difficult. And when your partner is like calling you at 4.30 saying, when are you going to be home? You can read a lot into that phone call. And it's very difficult to say, I have some things that I need to do at work before I come home. I'm not going to be home at the time that we normally agree. I'm not going to be home at my normal time. It's really, it's, it, it, I would say it's impossible to say that. So I told Rachel that that's how that made me feel. And we put strategies in place to avoid that. That was really helpful. And then related to that, uh, Rachel brought up the fact that my parents are not really around. They're not, like, my parents don't want to be overbearing, so they tend not to initiate, sorry, mum and dad, if you're listening, but they tend not to initiate them coming over here. Uh, they'll suggest that we go over there, but they need to be invited over here. And we got, like, two and a half, three months after the birth, and I had not really picked up on that. And so Rachel's at home alone. So of course, like she's, you know, so of course she feels like she can reasonably put a bit of pressure on me to come home from work because who else is going to help her out? But it was up to me to start inviting the parents over so that they could help out. And then of course, once I did that, they'll move heaven and earth. Like you might remember on one of the previous podcasts, like they came over and just designed Hazel's whole room for us. So yeah, so that, you know, when Rachel got the conch, um, or conch, I can't remember what it's, how you pronounce it, but yeah, that's what she expressed. It's always funny when your partner's telling you something like that. They get like five to ten seconds into talking about how they feel, and you know how you instantly know what it is that they're going to say? You're just like, oh, of course, yes, I can't believe I didn't see that. And it can be very tempting to just interrupt them and say you're absolutely right, but there is such value into just sitting there and listening to what they have to say about that issue because then you will know exactly how it is that they've been feeling for however long they've been feeling it. And you'll appreciate perhaps how much they were sacrificing by not voicing that earlier. You can only gain by just shutting the fuck up and listening to what they have to say. And if you're in a good relationship, they will do the same for you. That's what communication actually looks like. A little bit more. I mean, there are some bits of the program that I haven't really agreed with. I mean, they were doing these exercises where, like, when you're under serious stress, they were trying to find ways to get you to calm down, clarify and crystallize what it is that you want to say and then say it. I think that's, I mean, I don't know about you, but, like, I think that that's bullshit. I think that when you're really stressed and you're really frustrated and you want to say something, like I tend to say like five things that are completely unrelated. And it's because something 
very unrelated to what is happening in the moment has pissed me off and a series of other things are sort of cascading on top of it and building. And you're always under time pressure, like you've probably got a crying baby and you're trying to get them into bed to try to wade through all of that and then just go, oh, I actually feel this way about this fucking thing that happened like a week ago and it's been building. I'm like that's not the time for that sort of thing. I tend to shut up in those moments. So I just take a breath, just get through this. And when, you've, when you can come up for air, that's when you have that conversation. And then that can give you the opportunity to kind of peel away like two or three of the things that you were going to say. Go like, that's got nothing to do with how I was feeling. That's just because I was pissed off. I don't know what the fuck that thought was, but like, get rid of that. So yeah, so there, there are a couple of aspects of the program that I didn't quite agree with. But broadly speaking, it's been very good. So that's the fourth episode. Hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye.